Well, good morning again. I joke sometimes that I would much rather preach an hour-long sermon than give three minutes of announcements. <laughs> and the reason for that is because when there's a list, I always forget one thing. It's just inevitable. And so I forgot to thank you, and I don't want to pass that up. I want to thank you for your generosity. And just this past week, I learned of two ways that our church was able to very tangibly and concretely bless some of our neighbors, and it's because of your generosity. So thank you. Thank you very much. Wanted to not let that one slip by. Well, we are concluding our sermon series titled Called. We're looking at the purpose of the church. What are we as a called out group of people called to do? And we know what that is. We're called to make disciples. And how are we to do that? Well, we talk about it this way. First of all, uh, we want to love our neighbors to Jesus. In fact, Paul, the Apostle Paul said all of the Old Testament law is summed up in that one command to love our neighbors as ourselves. But here's the deal. We can't unless our hearts are filled and controlled by the love of Jesus Christ. We need Jesus to love people to Jesus. And so uh, uh, it's the gospel that has gripped our hearts that allows us to love our neighbors to Jesus. That's the first thing we want to do, love our neighbors to Jesus. Then we want to follow Jesus together. It's not about I and me. It's about us and very good. We're better together when we pursue becoming more and more like Jesus together. We can spur each other on to love and good deeds. That, that is discipleship together. And then today we conclude our three-part series looking at equipping leaders for the world. That is a major part of our calling as the church of Jesus Christ. We want to develop men and women and launch them into different kinds of ministry across the street and around the world. And it is important, and I'm going to tell you why. We have a leadership crisis going on in our nation, and the crisis is this. There aren't enough new leaders to replace existing leaders. Look at this statistic from the Barna Group. 85% of all pastoral workers in North America will be of retirement age within six years. Just let that soak in a little bit. David Kinnaman, president of the Barna Group, said this, there are now more full-time senior pastors over the age of 65 than under the age of 40. That's way out of balance. It is urgent that denominations, networks, and independent churches determine how to best motivate, mobilize, resource, and deploy more young pastors. Yes, but I would say more Christian workers for education and for the marketplace, being salt and light and a witness and a testimony and leaders in all aspects of society and in our culture. We need more leaders. This problem is pressing, but it is not new. Jesus even addressed it. Look at these verses uh, from Matthew. When he saw the crowds, this Jesus, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. 
Jesus didn't mince his words. He told his disciples, face the facts and find a way forward. Evidently, Jesus believed that equipping leaders was a priority in his movement, which is the church. So we have this problem, we have this crisis, but we should not give up hope. We always have hope. Why do we have hope? We have hope because Jesus is the head of the church, and he doesn't lack resources, and he's a good manager. And uh, his spirit is present and active among us. That's the, the main reason we have hope. But here's another reason we have hope. Look around you. Look around. I mean it. Do it. Look around. This room is filled with leaders and potential leaders. Okay? If I could hold up a mirror, I'd say, here, here. Here's why we have hope. Look. This, this room is filled with uh, people in whom the Spirit of God is working uh, to take up the responsibility of leadership in the church in different kinds of ways. So, why focus on raising up a new generation of Christian leaders for the church in the marketplace? How can we all be involved in meeting this desperate need for laborers in the harvest field? That's what we're going to think about today, together, for a few moments. And the first thing is this. We need to um, recognize that equipping leaders is a biblical mandate. It is a biblical mandate. It's a major part of what we as the church are called to do. I invite you to take your Bibles, print or digital, and turn to 2 Timothy, chapter 2. You'll find that on page 964 in the Bibles in the rack in front of you. 2 Timothy, chapter 2. <clears throat> We're going to read the first seven verses. This is Paul writing to his son in the Lord, Timothy. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Did you catch Paul's term for leader in this text? What, what did he call a leader? A reliable person, a reliable person. In other words, someone who is trustworthy, someone who is faithful. Now that, that's the terminology he was looking for when he talks about leaders. A reliable, trustworthy, faithful person who is also competent, able, qualified to teach others. They're able, they're able to receive the gospel and the truth about Christ, to guard it, to live it, and then to pass it on to others. That's what he's talking about. These aren't superhumans. They're not in a whole other class. They're just able to take what is a precious treasure, the treasure of the gospel, guard it, and pass it on. And you see several generations here. Of course, Jesus, he is the source. What Paul received, he received from Christ. And now Paul has spoken this to many people 
but particularly the next generation is his son in the Lord, Timothy, who has heard again, probably again and again and again and again, what Paul has preached and taught about Jesus. And now Timothy is to entrust this deposit, this good deposit of the gospel, the truth about Jesus, and how to obey all that he has commanded, to pass it on to reliable people, to leaders, who then, there's another generation, pass it on yet to others. And guess what? That's been happening for 2,000 years, and it's now our turn. We, we have received it. The most precious thing possible. We don't want to drop it. So on Friday, I was doing a little work, and I, I had to um, get my rototiller out of the garage, and we were having a little bit of tile work done in our bathroom, and I had three boxes of 12 by 24 tiles which are not inexpensive. And I, I picked, I had, to, I had to pick up this box of tiles to move it out of the way. And as I'm moving it, I drop it. And I dropped it right on the other box of tiles and cracked them all. <laughs> I dropped it. I was so mad at myself for the rest of the afternoon. You know, why did I? Well, that's just a box of tiles. They're, it's replaceable. It's not the end of the world. But the gospel, the truth about Jesus, what it means to know him and love with him and walk with him and obey him and become like him, there's nothing more precious. What's the most precious thing you have ever been entrusted to hold? I can tell you. I know without even thinking. I remember like it was yesterday at KCH when little newborn Taylor, our first child, was handed to me and I'm holding this first child, this little baby, and there's nothing more precious. There's, there's nothing like the treasure. And, and I felt the wonder and the awe. And I wasn't about to drop the baby, right? I was going to hold the baby and hold the baby tight and recognize the responsibility that I've been given to pass something on to this child. Not just food so that he can grow and become strong, that's important, but also the truth of Jesus Christ and what it means to walk with him and to have hope in him. And so we have been given, as a church family, the most precious treasure possible the truth of the gospel and so we want to receive it and, and we, we want to guard it and we want to live it out and then we want to intentionally even sacrificially pass it on to the next generation so that it can continue that's so important this totally resonates with me this whole concept because I'm so thankful for this church family I grew up here from the age of four this has been my home church, so over 50 years. And I'm so thankful that this church family passed on the gospel to me. This treasure that surpasses all other precious things. Nothing comes close to comparing to the goodness of God's grace in Jesus Christ. But you know what? It, 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 it didn't happen in a day, right? It didn't happen in a day. I... I'm so thankful for the dozens and dozens of Sunday school teachers like Becky Dick and Bev Melton and Dan Gillette and many others who put up with us. I remember one summer we, we had Sunday school in a bus. <laughs> we didn't have enough rooms, and so my grade just, we met out in a bus. 
We, we, sometimes we met down in the basement of the link when it was all orange shag carpet and dark wood paneling. You know, that, that was the 70s, all right? As we were meeting down there. Those were the days. Uh, and then I think about <clears throat> um, in youth group, uh, youth leaders like um, Dave Bogue and Dan and Sue Michaels and the many youth sponsors, which will receive their reward in heaven for, for again, putting up with our shenanigans and our rowdiness and our craziness and, um, and somehow sticking with us through those challenging years of trying to discover our identity. And I'm so thankful for, we had, we had a, something called prime time. Uh, f- when I was in college, that was the young adults group and for the leaders of prime time and then later on, uh, adult Bible fellowships and, and some adults inviting, inviting me as a seminary student to help lead an adult Bible fellowship and in doing that, starting to discover my gifts um, in ministry and for mentors, you know, who sat down and we memorized scriptures and we talked about theology and about life and they were open and honest with me. People like uh, Jay Bell and Tom Julian um, <clears throat> and, and many others. There were families like the Pachecos who took me in and I got to see families living out faith. And there were people who prayed for me like Roy Snyder. And it's, so, it's all kinds of things in all kinds of ways that everybody contributed And that's what we do as a church family, is we want to grow leaders. Pass it on. It's absolutely essential. So let's not drop it. Let's be intentional about passing on the great good treasure, the deposit of the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ, the life that we have in him to the next generations. Back to our text. So Paul has instructed, commanded Timothy to pass on what he has received from Paul. He's to entrust others with this good deposit of not just the gospel message, that's foundational, but also what it means to follow Jesus Christ, to become more like Jesus Christ. Pass it on to others who will be able, in turn, to pass it on. This thing just needs to keep on rolling forward. And so he gives them kind of three pictures here, metaphors, if you will, uh, of, of joining Paul in this ministry of, of sharing the gospel but developing leaders and sending them out. Let's take a quick look at those three. The first one is the picture of a soldier. And from that we learn that equipping leaders takes sacrifice and focus. Sacrifice and focus. There, there is a cost to developing leaders. We read this in verses three and four. Paul says, join with me in suffering. It might hurt a bit. Like a good soldier of Christ Jesus, no no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. You know, there are so many things out there that want to distract us and entangle us and keep us from guarding that good deposit and entrusting it to others who will pass it on yet again to others. The pull of pleasure, the pollution of pornography, and the incessant distraction of media compromise the spiritual focus of people both young and old. There's a cost to staying focused on equipping and launching leaders. You know, that sacrifice and focus on developing leaders actually starts at home in the family 
Why, why are there fewer leaders now? Why, why is it declining the number of leaders, those who are willing to step into roles of responsibility? Well, there's probably lots of reasons for that. But one of them is probably that too many parents, and at times I can look back at my own parenting and see this, too many parents prefer for their children to enjoy the good life of material comfort and success, prioritizing safety in the here and now over sacrifice for something eternal. It's easy to do. I, I remember, I don't remember a lot of my premarital counseling, because that's a long time ago. But I, I, for some reason, this one little bit really stuck with me. And the pastor who counseled Mary and me, he said, listen, um, you, if you're going to pass on faith, you can't just talk about it. It's got to be more than lecture and sermon. Uh, you, you have to demonstrate it. They have to, your children need to see God work. And so when you pray, pray specifically so that when God answers, you can celebrate God answered, God worked. Step out and take a risk. Take, take, show some faith so that your children will actually see God work. Because if it's just head knowledge, then it, that faith probably won't stick. But if they see God at work, then that will sink in. And now I know I had an exceptional mom who lived this out quite well. So um, as a widow who had uh, raised five kids, except for two of us, we were still at home. My sister Kala and I were still at home. She took Kala and me to Germany where she taught in a missionary kids school. And that was a step of faith. And, and it, it demonstrated her, she wasn't going to live in fear or um, self-pity. Instead, she was going to risk. And, that was, and then listen to what my mom did. When I was 18 years old, just graduating from high school, she left the country for good and went to France. And I went off to college. And you, you know, nowadays, adolescence, they say, kind of goes right into the 20s. And, and a, lot of, a lot of young uh, people, unfortunately, uh, waste some of their prime years because they're still growing up. Well, my mom left, okay, when I was 18, and I went off to college, and it was like sink or swim, dude. And uh, I, 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 had to, I had to make choices right away about growing up. And how was I going to swim? You know how I swam? I swam by relying on the church and on the church family. And that's how I was able to swim. But to grow up uh, and, and see my mother's life of faith, that, that's, what, that's what convinced me so much that what she had told me about God is real. And <clears throat> we need to r really encourage and support family discipleship ministries in our church because it's in the, it's in the family that uh, the sacrifice and the focus for developing leaders really begins. It's also part of what we do as a church body together. Parents, did you ever think that leadership development begins with you? Did, did that thought ever cross your mind? Leadership development begins with parents in the home. And you might say, whew, well, that's a burden. Let's look back at what Paul said to Timothy. He said, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Let's say that out loud together. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The best thing we can do for our kids in leadership development is 
to seek God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, to throw ourselves on his grace and his goodness and find our identity in it. That sacrifice and focus, though, but equipping leaders takes sacrifice and focus. And I look, I look back at, at, at how this church passed on the good deposit of faith to me, and, and I didn't know it at the time, I didn't pay attention to it at the time, I was clueless at the time, but all those men and women, those children's uh, Sunday school teachers, and those youth sponsors, and those adult Bible fellowship leaders, and those men and women who mentored or took me in, they were all sacrifice, they were making a sacrifice. And, and whether, they, whether they would have put it in these words or not, they were focusing on developing leaders for the future. That was the first picture, the picture of a soldier. Here's the second one. It's the picture of an athlete. Equipping leaders calls for integrity. It calls for integrity. Paul writes in verse 5, Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. I, li I, I like to watch um, track. And so recently they had the world championship in Budapest. And I, was, I like to watch the highlights. Um, and the women's, the American women's 4x400 relay team was disqualified because they, they weren't able to get the baton passed in the, in the right uh, amount of space and were over by like a fraction of an inch. And they were out. Ugh, that was kind of frustrating. But, it, but an illustration of, as an athlete, you have to abide by the rules. Integrity is important. Another Barna survey that was done about the traits that Christians believe are important in Christian leaders resulted in this. The top answer was integrity. Integrity was seen as one of the most important traits in leaders. And maybe one of the reasons that we have a leadership crisis today is because former and current leaders haven't demonstrated integrity. They're, what they say and what they do don't match up. <clears throat> and I've had some of my heroes in the faith fall. I have a whole bookshelf. I think I have every book that Ravi Zacharias ever wrote. Nobody influenced my worldview and apologetic kind of um, thinking more than Ravi Zacharias. And yet, it turned out that he was living a double life. Well, and did damage to countless people. And that is sobering. And you could get cynical. I choose not to get cynical. I choose instead to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Christ is my example. He, he is the one that I turn to and... Um, but, but what do young people need? They, they need men and women who are authentic, humble, who don't deny the struggles and the temptations of life, but are choosing to trust in Jesus, to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We need to open up our lives, because sometimes young people don't, they only hear the bad examples. And I, lo I look back at many of you who, were great examples to me. And so when some of our heroes fall, I've got heroes in this church family that I can look to, but it's because of the grace of God. It's because of the grace of God. Young future leaders are looking to answer three questions, the three big questions. The question of identity, who am I? 
the question of belonging, where do I fit, and the question of purpose, what difference do I make? And I believe that the church family is the best place to answer those questions, but they're not answered in a lecture. They're answered in relationship. They're answered in community. Ah, we're better together when we're together, right? It's not I and B, it's us and we as, as we walk together. And, and, the, and younger folks need older folks. By the way, I'm an older folk in the meantime. I'm using my senior discount. <clears throat> Can we help? Can we be intentional about helping? Young men and women discover the answers that God gives through his word and through his church to the questions of identity and belonging and purpose. It's all here for eternity. Equipping leaders calls for integrity. Will they see that in us? Again, can't do it without the grace of God. Need the gospel. All right, we've got to walk in the grace of God. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The third picture is the picture of the farmer. Equipping leaders pays off. It pays off. Okay, you know I like to grow tomatoes. It takes a lot of work. You know, it starts way back in May. You got to prepare the soil and uh, get it all ready. And then you plant the plants and you weed and you water. And it takes a couple months. And you know, but it is hard work and you persevere. And then there's a payoff to it, right? Man, when you eat that first BLT, it's all worth it. It is all worth it. <laughs> hey, I gave some of my tomatoes to my neighbors. Guess what I got? Salsa. It came back at me, okay? You put in the effort, you get a return on it. Well, when you put the effort into developing leaders, there is a return. And it's a joy. Hey, we're going to watch a video here. Um, about just a couple, and we, we could have dozens and dozens and dozens of examples of this, but of, of two people who were equipped here and sent out. And let's just, let's just praise the Lord as we watch that for how he's using them in other contexts. Hi, I'm Aaron Scantlin. I'm the worship and youth pastor at Sunlight Community Church in Angola, Indiana. And I've been here for five years, uh, but before that, I was on staff at Winona Lake Grace for nine years, uh, ever since we moved back from Nashville. But we started going to W.O. Grace back when I was in seventh grade. Our family came over, and I was part of the youth group. Um, it was very transformative to me as a person and my faith. It grew me. Uh, Pastor Dave Rank helped train me in leading worship, even when I was in youth group, and it was a wonderful time. And then when I came to work at the church, I got lots of practical equipping and help and mentoring from people like Jay Bell and Tom Julian and Kip Cohn and Bruce Barlow and many others that poured into my life and helped me as I progressed in ministry and in shepherding and in preaching and teaching and leading worship in so many different areas. Uh, but not only that, equipping uh, was not just something that was poured into me, but it was something that we had as a value that 
I was then equipping others even as I was being equipped. So whenever I led worship or whenever I was teaching, I always had somebody that was with me that I was helping to equip and train, um, leading new people to be worship leaders, preparing them, training them, bringing along new people for teaching and preaching in our church plants and other areas helping people to be facilitators and working together for the body, for Jesus and his mission. I would not be where I am today if it were not for the equipping that I received from those at WL Grace. So thank you to all of you. I greet you in the name of Christ as someone who is equipped and sent out and is on mission today. Hi, my name is Jordan Gillette. I'm a youth pastor at Grace Mead Church in Goshen, Indiana. But for about nine years, I was a part of W.L. Grace when I was in college and then post-college. And during that time, um, I was involved in the youth ministry. I was involved in the living room service um, and in other aspects of the church. And I have such um, fond memories and am so thankful for my time at W.L. Grace. And I can't think about the word equip without thinking about W.L. Grace because it was so ingrained in the mission. I can't think about the word equip without thinking about Tim Wright and Nick Deck who taught me all about youth ministry and how to lead in a small group setting and how to, to plan out um, a schedule and how to, to interact with students and, and counsel students and to teach. But also, with the they, they let me fail and they let me mess up and they, then they would walk me back through, hey, how could we have done this better? You might think of the, the infamous turtle story for those of you that would know that one, of just like, hey, maybe that wasn't the best thing to say in front of everybody. Let's, what, what, what could we say better about that? Um, I think about Dave Phelps and how we spent hours meeting and talking about the, the living room service and, and talking about people and people we cared about and how can we set up the best environment for those people to, to encounter Jesus on a weekly basis. Um, I think about my friend Sam Yider who, would spend hours and hours over coffee with me talking about life and ministry and being a dad and being a husband and, and what it looked like to love Jesus in, in a daily life so that we could be equipped to go out and, and to live the mission that Jesus has called us to live. Um, I am so thankful for one on like Grace. I'm a product of so many of you, and without you and your, your impact in my life, I wouldn't be the dad, the husband, the youth pastor that I am today. Um, so I'm so thankful for the vision of Equip and how you sent me out. For me, it looked like going into full-time ministry, from, but for many of you um, and for many of other people, it looks like, hey, we've been given the tools to go and live out what it looks like, what Jesus has called us to do on a daily basis. So thank you for equipping me and thank you for sending me out. I get excited about. Okay, it makes me so happy to see this, to see that our church can do this, that we can equip and s send out men and women into the world. There's so many more examples. We have homegrown people. In fact, eight of our global teammates are homegrown. They grew up in this church, and, and we've sent out pastors uh, that are homegrown, like Josh Wilson at Ashland uh, Grace, and uh, also Roger Stewart, who came to seminary but then was interned here. He's over at Camp Creek Church, and we can go down the list. Lots of people sent out. We have uh, some of our global teammates are homegrown, uh, like Jordan uh, Byers Wong Loy Singh, okay, uh, in Spain. 
uh, one of our global teammates, and I think of someone like Autumn Smith who came here to study, but she was a part of our church, and, and now we are able to equip and send her out and see how the God, is, God is using her, and I could just go on and on. I think of um, Aaron Secor, who is serving um, down in Kokomo as a worship leader, and I've been getting references repeatedly now for Abby Hawkins, who was just here as one of our worship arts interns, and, and to see them heading out into ministry is such a joy. Nothing motivates me quite like seeing those kinds of lives that are being used by God. But it's not just in a church-specific ministry, it's also in the marketplace. I think of someone like John Sproul that maybe many of you don't know, but he was a youth uh, leader and had a huge impact on my two boys and a heart for God, but he's, he's, he's leading the training of multiple car washes in Nashville, Tennessee, but he's in the marketplace and he's impacting lives. He's, he's doing to lives in Nashville what, what, how he Im- impacted my sons. And so it goes on and on and on. The church is called to equip and send leaders. What if, you know, we... We, in our location, I feel, have a particular opportunity and responsibility. And that is we're we're located right next to 1,800 young adults who are studying, and many of them studying to go into ministry. And I believe that God has given this church family a unique opportunity to be able to um, invite young men and women into ministry and to equip and develop them and send them and that that we can have an impact on the world as we devote ourselves to equipping leaders you know i i could have given you a a dozen video uh clips from different leaders that we've sent out but you know you know we, we 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 get one of those that we send out maybe every year two or three but what what if what if every year, every year, we sent out in one way or another into education and into the marketplace and into specific ministry roles in churches, a dozen or 20 equipped and developed leaders? Man, that would make a huge impact and, and help with this leadership crisis that we have in America. Our church, we could make a significant impact on that. What if we would do that? Become a greenhouse for developing leaders. Well, what now? What do we have to do? What can all of us do in relationship to this? Well, first of all, we can pray. That's what Jesus said. Pray that the Lord uh, would send harvesters into the harvest field. So we can pray. I pray that you would pray that we as a church together would raise up and equip and develop leaders for our world, Christian leaders who will represent Christ in all aspects. Second of all, we as a whole church family, we, we need to make this a priority, raising up the next generation of leaders. Priority is a game changer. Uh, when it comes to churches that want to develop leaders, uh, an author of the book Growing Young wrote, when churches prioritize young people and their families everywhere in every aspect of the church, they take a step beyond empathy and warmth. We want to be welcoming. We want to be warm and inviting and encouraging and relational. But we, we need to go a step further. They allocate resources, energy, and attention to teenagers and young adults both inside and outside their walls. It's a matter of priority. We say we'll do whatever it takes 
to help the next generation walk with Jesus. But that, that's also part of leadership development. Do we mean it? Do we really, are we willing to do whatever it takes to develop leaders? A third thing is that we want to strengthen families. And that's what we're committed to, is strengthening homes and families and marriages. In fact, uh, coming up, there is, uh, and you'll see it in your bulletin, the Marriage Foundations class. These are the kinds of things we want to encourage and support because we know leadership development begins at home. Fourthly, we need to model healthy church life for emerging leaders. Uh, uh, from this uh, same author wrote, united churches with strong community breed young leaders who want to reproduce such community for their savior, their families, and their world. Health not only breeds health, it encourages reproduction and succession. So b being the kind of church family that we want to reproduce, that people want to reproduce because they find life and joy and support in it. Let's be that kind of a church family. By the way, if, if you're relatively new to the church family and you want to figure out how to get connected more, next Sunday starting at 10 in the Fireside Room, we have Discover WL, which is just a way to, to understand uh, how our church works a bit better, get to know some of the leaders and find your place in the church. Finally, and maybe most importantly, let's go back to what Paul said to Timothy. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Okay, the most important thing we can do if we're going to develop leaders is be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, to throw ourselves in dependence upon him and uh, to trust that his grace will work powerfully in and through us. Let's be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus together. And in doing that, put a priority and a focus on equipping leaders and sending them into the world to honor the name of Christ, whom we've been praising today. Can we do that together? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that uh, you have been doing this all along, is um, e equipping men and women to carry on this precious treasure of the gospel and to take it to the next generations and to take it to different parts of the world. And we thank you, we thank you, God, that you've been able to, that you've used our church, not because we're smarter or more committed, but, but because of your grace at work in our hearts and lives to produce leaders. And we pray, again, by your grace that you would allow us to continue to do that and maybe even, even accelerate that to see more young men and women trained, developed, equipped, sent out um, into the harvest field beca because they've been a part of our church family. Lord, we want to do this for your glory and for our joy. And everyone said, amen. amen. You are sent.